for the praises, for the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, uh, today, today, we will hear his voice. And uh, he mentions something that uh, it takes a while to, to get there, but eventually we'll have to. This is hardened by your hearts. Keep your heart soft. Keep your ears open to what the Spirit might be speaking to you. It seems perhaps that as the years go by, sometimes instead of softening our hearts due to, I don't know, whatever reason, we just go, go along our days and not being aware of what the Lord might be speaking to you, forgetting that we are not just bare men. We are not natural men. We are also spiritual men if we <coughs> are born again. And no longer is our, is our goal here in this earth. No longer our desires are here. Some years ago, we were staying there with Brother John Henson and the family at Wire or Makali. And uh, Dita and Abigail, and I don't remember if Abel was already there, but they were meeting with the South Naples group. They were met at Naples. and. Uh, and Brother John, we used to meet on Saturdays, and Naples used to meet on Sundays. So this Sunday, we went to the meeting there. And there was a, a young lady that was facing brain surgery for a tumor that was growing rapidly. And you know, when you got a problem like that, it seems like you will, you will want an anchor. Yeah. You will like something more than the natural stuff. And she and her husband was looking for that, something, something that would carry them through that test. And this particular Sunday, they shared a song with us, uh, and they sang it. Uh, and the song is based on the 23rd song and lately has been coming back to me. Uh, is by, by a lady by the name of Adria Sad. And so, Psalm 23 says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
And so there's only two phrases there. I mean, but you know what? Uh, it, it says it all. If the Lord is my shepherd, if indeed he is my shepherd, then I, I, I don't have any, any lacks. Yeah. I don't want anything else. And so to me, this is a goal to get to. <coughs> to get to appreciate, to, about, to value in such a way the salvation that has been given to us, to value the Lord that has, himself has given himself to us that there's nothing else that I care about. And this is hard to do. Uh, it's not, a, not something that comes the first day that you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. It's a process. And so it says, the Lord is my shepherd, but it's talking about years of experiences, years of, of, of knowing who that person is. And I'm afraid that perhaps, perhaps we're not there yet. I'm not there anyway. Maybe I shouldn't say, you are not. <coughs> I'm not there where the Lord is everything to me so that nothing else, nothing else uh, attracts me. And so the song, based on that song says, it says, from the love of my own comfort. From the love of my own comfort. From the fear of having nothing from a life of worldly passions. Deliver me, oh God. You know, there are many things that, uh, that we know do not belong to the spiritual man, but we cannot get rid of them. We just can't. It's impossible to do so. So we have to cry out to the only one that can do it. Now the problem here is that we have to cry out. But how are you going to cry out unless you realize that is not the man you are? That is not the new man? It says, uh, from the need to be understood. That's quite a battle. We all we want, all of us want everybody to understand us. From the need to be accepted. What? Here in this community? Well, the gospel goes further than any community. Actually, if you, if you get to the place where you know the Lord, Wherever you go, you don't need the rules of the community. You don't need the elders. You don't need anything. If you have the Lord there, he'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you what not to do. Remember that you've been accepted by your beloved. 
But why do we care so much then about being accepted by others? There are a lot of mysteries. From the fear of being lonely, There are two aspects to this. Actually, the road is lonely. Because it's just you and the Lord in this proper sense. Because nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody knows the desires in your heart. Nobody knows the battles you go through. Nobody knows what you would really want to do or to have and yet you know you, you shouldn't. But he does. He does. And so, you cannot share some of those things with anybody. Not even your spouse. He knows deep down there, and I think we have learned to be very honest with the Lord and come to him and said, this is it, this is, this is what I'm facing, this is what I'm thinking, and so help me, because I can't. If anything we have understood throughout the years is that this gospel, this road that is, we're called to, is an impossibility. And it was designed that way, so that we can go to the only one that can make it happen. If you and I try to make it happen, it will not work out. It will be a religious idea. It will be some sort of religion, but it will not be the real thing. And I believe that you have come looking for something real. I didn't come here to look for religion, right? We want something real. And so I said, uh, deliver me, O God. And then uh, it says, and I shall not want. No, I shall not want. Some writers get things. <coughs> what I think is just, just what, what the gospel says. Because he said, when I taste your goodness, I shall not want. And so that if we come... Uh, to experience what he is, then the want disappears. Yes. Because you're full. You don't want anything else. That's all you want. He said, from the fear of serving others. You know, right down to, you really think about it. It's hard to do so. Now think about it, even, uh, even in the community, even if you fulfill all your commitments, all your responsibilities, there's something down there that's still serving others. What? Why? Because the natural man tells us to serve yourself. From the fear of death or trial, from the fear of humility. That's not a very, a virtue. It's never been a virtue in the world we live in. 
People say that today, no, no, not today, read history, and it's from the beginning till now. Nobody wanted to be humble. Because man is not humble. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes, and in the book of Philippians, the beautiful description, some, some uh, scholars think that there was a song that the people used to sing, and that Paul just picked it up and put it there in the book. I don't know about that, but it sure sounds to me like a, like a beautiful expression of who the Lord Jesus Christ was and how he walked. What he says, he humbled himself. So deliver me, O oh God, the only one that can do so. The other day, uh, after uh, Amy's uh, opening, while she was talking, I kept thinking, it's not possible to do that. It's just not possible. Then when I left here and I was walking to the house, I kept thinking it's impossible. Those verses, they just are impossible to get to them. And she read the, let's go there, the 42nd chapter of Job. The thing we must understand here is that these verses come after 42 chapters. After he goes through a whole process and then he gets to these last verses. And so we need to see that uh, you don't get there at the beginning. And you don't get there to those verses just by thinking I'm going to do this. And he says, um, then he answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything. So you don't get to that point unless you have walked with the Lord for a while, when you realize he can do everything. And then uh, this is quite a difficult thing because while you realize that, you also realize that he's also sovereign. Right now the groups in Mexico have been crying out to the Lord because there's one of the elders that uh, has been with us there in Mexico from who knows when. I mean, long, long time ago, is right now in the hospital dying. And the uh, people have been crying for the Lord to, to be healed. But at the same time that you pray that, you realize he can do it. <coughs> you, you come to that conclusion, but also you realize he also suffered. And so while you, I'm sure that unbelievers will, will laugh about our concepts. But while you pray and you believe that he can do it, you have no doubt about it because throughout your life you have seen him doing it. You have seen it doing miracles. At the same time, you realize, but we don't know. We don't know what, what he's thinking. 
So he came to that conclusion. And he says, no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. I'll read it from a different version. I know that you can do all things and that no thought or purpose of yours can be restrained. So he has good thoughts for us, the Bible says too, right? They cannot be restrained. There's no power on earth that can undo that. You said to me, who is the darkness and obscures counsel by words without knowledge? This is the Amplified. Therefore, and I see, I have rashly uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful to me, which I did not know. Psalm 139 also mentions that words of David. He also says, these things are too beautiful for me to understand. I had virtually said to you what you have said to me. Here I beseech you, and I will speak. I will demand of you, and you declare to me. I have heard of you only by the hearing of the ear. I heard about you. Could it be that sometimes in our own experiences, sometimes it's just weak? We heard. Somebody said something about it. We heard somewhere something. We read something. But no more than that. Just heard and went by. But now, my spiritual eye sees you. And then it comes the verses that Sister Amy read. Therefore, this version says, I loathe my words and abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. <coughs> now, how can that be done? Is that true? <coughs> I mean, the problem is that I love myself. The problem is my judgments are true. The problem is I think I'm smarter than you. Or nobody thinks that. <laughs> problem is that I think I'm right and you're wrong. How can I then go from there to what we just read? The only way to do that is to cry out to the Lord, to, to open up my eyes and to see it, and then ask the Lord, please. Otherwise, there are terrible words. He says, I. 
abhor myself. Those are strong words. Very strong words. Abhor, regard with disgust and hatred. Loathe, feel intense dislike or disgust for hate. <coughs> hate, feel intense or passionate dislike for. Anybody? Yes, that's the testimony of his life. He comes to the end and he says, now that I see you, I realize why, what am I, what I am. So that the, it's not saying that he hated himself in that sense. He's saying that com in comparison, having come to that place, he sees that, and then he sees himself, he sees where God is and where he is, and he dislikes that. He's not talking about, about the person, you know. I mean, like, it's not like saying, I hate myself. No, no, he's not talking about psychology. Yeah. No, he's saying that he, when you get to that place uh, that is open to us, and you see where he is, and why he is. You see his values, you see what are his principles, you see how he moves throughout your life. Then you come to the conclusion, I shall not want. This is it, that, that's all I need, I don't need anything else. Now we've seen throughout the years there's a problem there. I was reading about, uh, you know about the so-called Desert Fathers and how, uh, I mean, you talk about hardships when the community began. But these folks carry some of these things to the extreme, fleeing from the world. Some of them went up on a cave, and they just were there. But uh, something that really made me think about it was this group of folks there in, in, in the desert, I think it was Syria or somewhere over there, they, they went into this well. Not, the, not many of them, I went to the well, and they went way down there, escaping from the world. No, no, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about hardship for the sake of hardship. He's not talking about hating yourself for the sake of hating, no. He's talking about a life that is so full, a life that has come to realize that the only worthy uh, thing of praise in this earth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you surrender your life and then because of that, that's what uh, Job was talking about. He said, when I saw that, I abhor myself. I realize that's what I want. That's what I need. And here I am, pursuing 
with all my strength, other things that are going to pass. This brother that is there dying, may the Lord reverse the course. He was a civil engineer and they had a construction company and he was very successful upper middle class in Mexico City. And uh, when the wilderness message came, he and his wife left and went to Guatemala, to the farm there in Guatemala. And uh, sold the house, sold the business, sold everything, and they just took off. And when Adele and I got married, I was very close to them, so in our honeymoon, we went to Guatemala to visit them at the farm. It was just at them, there was another, another young man that had gone there with them too, a good friend of ours. So we went there to see them. And so we have this, uh, these two things in one, in one, on one hand we know God can do it. On the other hand, we know, we don't know what God wants to do. So Job gets to that conclusion, he can do everything. And then he, no. he declares there that uh, he was talking about things that were too wonderful for him to understand. I did that too. When we first heard the message, Back in 1972, probably, Mexico City, and Brother Sam would come and minister to us, Brother Herb Myers, and we were so excited that now, I think, wow. I don't know why we did things that we did. No wonder our relatives were not very happy with us. <laughs> and we blamed them. We blamed them for not being spiritual enough. God has been merciful to us. It's been so good to us. My father was so patient with, with me. Body and said. Luckily enough, later on he, he wasn't a believer. Later on he realized that I made a good decision. By God's mercy, he saw that. Mr. Amy mentioned that the old phrase sometimes it seemed like it was history, death to self message. And that's what uh, Job had gotten to at the end of his life. Now we we can read in Ezekiel 36. There's a repetition of this uh, 
phrase. So the point is that uh, there's things that are going to happen or should happen as we walk with the Lord and as we get to see who he really is. As we've been singing, I, I want to see you as you are. And he is ready, ready there to reveal to us who he is because there are many con concepts of who he is that are not true. And. Uh, and what I'm saying is, in order for us to get to where uh, he got to declare these things, there has to be a process where you get to know who he is, and then that's the, the conclusion. So Ezekiel 36, there's one verse there. And this is talking about how God is going to do a tremendous miracle. Is going to change the nation uh, into what it was, into what he wants it to be. And he says, uh, uh, remember that uh, I read this uh, a while ago. He said, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Uh, so it's talking about a work that he's going to do. Uh, at that time, I will take the heart of stone of your flesh, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And so that's what we need. You know, in any conflict, the one that will win in the spiritual sense is the one that appeals to the heart of flesh. As long as you remain with the heart of stone, you might win the debate, you might win the, the argument, but you lost because you appeal to a different source. Somehow Christianity has come to the conclusion uh, throughout many centuries, and you can read in different centuries, uh, the concept is that they were the victors. They, they were the rulers, and they did it. In many instances in history, but nobody has ever said that that's not true. That in Christ's life, you see, he lost. Think about it. Think about what history was, what things were happening at that time and this tiny little spot on earth. There's a man dying and nobody knows about it. And he comes to the end of his life and dies and even his disciples run away from him. Total failure. But who wants to fail? Who wants to go that route? And so he said, uh, I will give you a new heart. And he's talking about he's going to do all of this. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. What a wonderful thing. Yeah. He's going to do it because you can't do it. I can't do it. Actually, sometimes I don't even want to do it, right? No, I don't want to go that route. Me? Asking for forgiveness? No way. Me admitting that I was wrong? I can't do that. Because it's not in you to do it. He will do it. And so, uh, 
42 chapters, he defended himself. 42 chapters, he gave reasons why he shouldn't do what they were telling him to do. I don't understand why uh, the three friends, when they gave good counsel, God rebukes them. I don't know who one day we'll know, I'll know that, but anyway. He's the one that was wrong. Only when Elijah comes around, he seems to open up his ears and listen to what was happening. He said, I will, I will, and you will keep my judgments and do them. What about that? Any impossible thing you are facing, he said, you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you, fathers. You shall be my people and I will be you, God. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. So he keeps uh, telling all the things he's going to do. Remember, now, this is the conclusion of that. See. All of these things he's doing, all of these things he's promising to do, and then this is the conclusion. Then you will remember evil ways and you did so were no good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight. And so you cannot read that without the context. You will go wrong. But you got to see what's the end of that. And only because you realize who he is and what you are and you desire him more than you desire you. That's what he says. You remember evil ways and you did that were not good and you will loathe yourself in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Now we'll listen to the next phrase. Not for your sake, do I do this? <clears throat> now, that there's something uh, underneath that phrase. Because he's doing it for our sake. Because his love is so great for us that he will do it for us. He says we are his inheritance. We are his precious people. So, you have to see what he's saying there. Says the Lord God, let it be known to you. And there's another part that says the same thing in, in the chapter 20 of the same book. to be here too long. Like Erica said yesterday, it doesn't get better. You still get, I still get nervous <coughs> when I'm here. But wasn't that a beautiful story? It really encouraged me. It's possible. It's possible, brother. Chapter 20. Uh, same story. He's talking about all the things he's going to do. Actually, 
verse 33, uh, there's a, a title in, on my Bible says, God will restore Israel. God will restore Israel. So it's talking about doing the same thing. And he said, uh, As I live, says the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with fury pour out, I will rule over you. Wow. I will bring you from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with fury pour out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples, and there I will plead my case with you, fa with you face to face. And so God wants a personal relationship. He wants to come face to face with you. He wants that intimate relationship with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. And remember, he knows us by name. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows our heart. He, and he, but he, more than that, he wants to talk to you. Face to face. Just as I pleaded my case with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So I will plead my case with you, says the Lord God. I will make you pass under the rod. There were a lot of messages about this particular phrase. And I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. So there's a covenant. And he said he's going to bring us into that covenant. I will purge the rebels from among you and those who transgress, transgress against me. I will bring them out of the country where they dwell, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know, and it's not talking about people, it's talking about things that are in us that will not come into the land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Okay, this is the conclusion that it comes to realize, okay, this is the Lord. I know the Lord now. Verse 40, for my holy mountain on the mountain height of Israel, says the Lord God. Uh, so he's calling us uh, like a uh, Gospel says also, if you are indeed resurrected with Christ, then what? Dwell in those things that are up, up there. That's where we're supposed to dwell. Because down here, there's lots of troubles. There, all the house of Israel, all of them in the land shall serve me. There, I will accept them. And there I will require your offerings and the first fruits of your sacrifices together with all your holy things. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered. So he will accept us, he said, as a sweet aroma. How about that? You see, our lives can be sweet to the Lord. And I will sanctify you before the Gentiles. Once again, he's going to do it. 
You and I cannot do it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the country which I raised my hand in, an oath to give you to your fathers. And here's the phrase that it repeats the same thing. And there you shall remember your ways and all your doings with which you were defiled. And you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight because of all the evils that you have committed. But then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings of house, house of Israel, says the Lord God. Isn't that great? And it's not just in the past. It's today and it's tomorrow. For his grace's sake, for his great love, he will not deal with us. He will, we will not get what we deserve. The price has been paid already, and there's an offering to live a new life. That's the problem, you know, that I have access to that life, that I have, I have been given that life, yet sometimes I live still on my own life. <clears throat> Let's see, we might have time for one more story. Isaiah 58. Before we get there, there's an interesting uh, interesting uh, verse in uh, Book of Ephesians, in relationship to to the what we just read, that uh, because when he saw the Lord, he for himself. Ephesians five twenty nine. This verse pops up there out of nowhere because he's talking about marriage and wives. I read it from a different version. Said, "No one abuses his own body." but pampers it, serving and satisfying it, its needs. Anybody? So what he's saying in this little verse is that what, what Job and these other scriptures have read, you cannot get there unless you have walked with the Lord. Another version says, Nobody ever hated his own body. He fits it and looks after it. Another one says, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and carefully protects and cherishes it. That's been a big problem. A big problem in the communities. A big problem in our fellowships. A big problem in the church. But we don't want to stay there. We want to get to where he got at the end. He said, now I see you. 
Now I realize who you are. Now I realize what you've done. And so, I live my ways. Chapter 58 of Isaiah. It's a warning about not getting to be religious. We know that, don't we? Yes. Nobody taught us how to be religious. It just came naturally. This is a warning. And listen how it starts. Cried aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. And then he tells them, uh, he said, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me of the ordinances of justice they take the light in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. It says that uh, other versions, you do your own thing and exploit all your laborers. What it says that in the day of uh, when supposed to be fasting, he's making his workers uh, uh, work. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the first of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? It is to bow down his head like a bulrush. I don't know what that was, but it's evidently like a reed with the wind. When the wind blows, it goes like this and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Will you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? You know, one of my prayers is that, God, don't let me be a religious man. I've been a religious man many a times. And it didn't help anybody, it didn't help me, it didn't help anybody. But Lord, make it real. So he's saying, what, you do all of this? Will you call this, will you call this a fast? Will you call this community living? Will you call this the move of God? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? I guess my burden is that I might see the Lord as He is and I might value what He is and go for that no matter what the price is. No matter what I might lose, that's my prayer, my desire. 
I often pray when I'm by myself and I say, Lord, help me not to have abandoned what I abandoned just to come and be a religious man. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't really seek the Lord. I was very happy as a pagan. I have a lot of plans of things I could do. Of course, I was very young. I was very happy. I don't remember being sad at all. I was Love music, love what I was doing. I had a cause, I had a, a goal, I had an ideal. And I said, Lord, please, please don't allow me to have left all that just to be a religious man. Just to quote a scripture here and there and do my own way, behave my own way. Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free? You got anybody there in jail? Let him go. Could it be the Spirit telling us that? Let it go. And that you break every yoke. It is not to share your bread with the hungry. And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, to talk about him and tell everybody what you just saw. No, it says when you see the naked, that you cover him. Not hide yourself from your own flesh. He's talking about the relatives. Then, now this is the the news always at the end are good news then your light shall break forth like the morning your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard <coughs> then you shall call and the Lord will answer you shall cry and he will say here I am the what we see over here, here I am, Lord. But in this case, the one says, here I am, is the Lord himself. When you call, he said, I'm here. Here I am. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. You shall cry. So it's not, I mean, it's a cry. It's a cry and you only cry when you're desperate. This uh, young couple I was talking about, they sang this song and you can feel the spirit there because they were desperate. They didn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They didn't know what the future would bring. I mean, you could hear uh, the, 
the recordings and the, and the messages are being coming back and forth in the groups in Mexico. You, you can feel the cry for a brother that is dying and they don't know what to do yeah. except to cry. And he said, and then you'll cry and I will answer and said, here I am. Isn't that good news? He will say, I'm here, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, I mean, it's not missing any words. How, how clear can it be? Pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the Monday, as the noonday. <coughs> the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. So that when you're in Him, there's no drought. You go through it, but He'll satisfy your drought. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Those from around you shall build the always places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. The next one is a very famous phrase that we all know, and you shall be called the repairs of the bridge. We're called to do that. Sometimes we have caused the bridge before. The restorer of streets to dwell in. And then I think uh, Fabian read this long time ago, a couple of Sundays ago, or Wednesdays, whatever. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways. See, we honor him by not following our own ways. Not finding your own pleasure, not speaking your own words, once again, that's impossible to do. You can't do that. I cannot do that. I have to come and cry to the Lord, say, do it with me, please. Because the great problem here is if we don't cry out, then we'll be just communitarians. Like there have been hundreds of communities throughout the history. We'll just be a move that came and went. No more than that. But that was not the calling. That is not the calling. We have the great opportunity to go beyond the natural and to access, to go into what we're called to do. Not find your own pleasure, not speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. And listen to this. This is the conclusion. This should give you hope. This should give you an anchor for the days to come. The mouth of the Lord. 
It's not my idea, it's not your idea. We didn't come here because of Brother Sam. We didn't come here because of Brother Herb Myers. We didn't come here because of Brother John Henson. We didn't come, you didn't come here because of Brother Bill. You came here because the Lord brought you. And uh, once they were born here, they have to come to the conclusion that it was God bringing their parents here. And once you're born here, then you have to face the calling, this beautiful invitation to live a different life. Don't learn this life, little children. This is not the life we've been called to. There's something beyond this. There's something greater. There's something more beautiful that even if you don't see it here, you can still cry to the Lord that one day, may the Lord fulfill this vision in our hearts. The Lord bless you.
to you for this for these matters father we thank you today lord uh, that nothing is our conclusion lord we make it thing that we agree with today lord that nothing is impossible for you father that's the perspective that we go out with lord what seems impossible to us personally we acknowledge lord nothing's impossible for you so we ask in these matters that you would have your way lord particularly with the mahaffey family lord we ask that you would be merciful to them to brother Howell, lord that you would uh, have your way in his life, Lord, during this time. We remind you again of Mark and Kathy, of Renee, Lord, that you would be merciful to them. Samuel Winger, we, we lift up the need there, Lord. We know, Father, that you do a good work, Lord. And we pray, Lord, for each one of our hearts today, Lord, that you would enable us to give place to your spirit, Lord, that we would give pause, Lord, and allow your presence, Lord, to work and to direct our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.